Okay, good morning, one and all. My name's Adrian, and I'll be guiding us through this next part of our gathering. Um, as Sarah said, if this is your first time around us, you are very, very welcome, and hopefully uh, someone will make themselves known to you. Uh, if not, please have patience with us, and do feel free to talk to anyone, as we want you to feel as welcome as possible here. If you're a regular here, obviously you're welcome. Uh, we're not uh, some random bunch of people, as I hope you're hearing already, that kind of turn up on a Sunday and that's it, but trying to say, no, we're, we're trying to be a family together, to say, actually, as followers of Jesus, we're not going to do that alone. We're going to do it together. Uh, and as we do it together, it allows us to be enriched by one another's journeys, by one another's revelations of what we see more of who this amazing God, who is Father, Son, and Spirit is, and how he desires for our lives to be saturated by his love. And my hope is that for each and every one of us, we've got a story to tell. Or maybe you're here today and you say, but I don't really know this God, and I'm wanting to start to discover him. And if you're in that boat, my hope is that today will continue to reveal the wonder of who God is. And maybe God has already started to reveal himself to you. Maybe that's why you're even in the room. And if you're in that place, my guess is the thing that God most wants you to hear is this, that he loves you more than you could dare to believe. And I'm hoping as we're going to look through this morning, we're going to discover more of who this God is who loves you. And what we're doing at the moment is we're in this series that we've entitled Sabbath Rhythms of Rest. As what we've discovered is that there are different practices that we're given in order that uh, they would do us good. Not that they would bring about our salvation, in other words, our rightness before God, but rather that they're practices of how we can just do life as individuals and together that will cause us to know God's goodness and to flourish in God's amazing creation. And one of those rhythms that God gives is the rhythm of Sabbath, of taking a day of rest each week. And what we discover is that God does that not to hinder us, but to remind us of the wonder of who he is and who we are. And so I don't know where you sit in the camp in terms of a day of rest or a Sabbath. And I know for different ones of us, we'll kind of feel like Sabbath feels a weird word. What's that? Well, I think it's good to own because actually it points itself to being different to everything else. Now, Sabbath, let's just define it for a moment. Um, A.J. Swoboda, in his book that I'm going to recommend in a moment, defines Sabbath like this. Sabbath is celebration. A day of rejoicing over the goodness of what has been made and who made it. That's the invitation, to take a day a week to, within all of the complexities of life, to say, hey, in this moment I celebrate in all that I can see around, pointing to the one who created and holds it all together, that it's all not down to me. And in it, as I said, this guy, A.J. Swoboda, he kind of wrote this book, and it's called Subversive Sabbath, and it is an excellent book. I recommended it last week. I find that it's good to recommend things two weeks in a row, because generally in Oasis, there's roughly a kind of bi-weekly to three-weekly rhythm that people live with in terms of attendance. And so you find that if you only say once, you generally miss a load of people. So I find over a couple of weeks, if you mention it, gradually word gets out. But this book is exceptionally good. I've read a number of books around the subject of Sabbath. This is the one that I found most helpful highly recommend and as we always say if it's good enough to recommend it's good enough to oh man we're tired this morning we need to hear sabbath rest don't we but hey if it's good enough to recommend it's good enough to 
There we go. We're getting a bit more like it. Now, on one of the chairs that you can see in front of you, it has one of these Get Connected forms. If you can see that, you get the book. So if that's you, embarrassingly, just raise your hand. People are already pointing. You don't need to raise your hand. There you go. You get the book. Um, for those of you who have not got the book, one is you could go and ask to borrow it, or you could uh, try and steal it off them by the end. Uh, so that's how you could get it. But I'd highly recommend that. As with last week, what we want to do in this series is kind of use a passage in Matthew 12 as our springboard to look at this whole area of Sabbath, of how we live in the good of it. As so I'm going to get straight into it, so Matthew 12, verses 1 to 8, and that's what we're using as our springboard. And in it, what we find is this amazing account of an interaction between Jesus and some of the religious leaders of the day, where it ends up in this debate about Sabbath, about rest. So verse 1, at the time Jesus went through the cornfields on the Sabbath, his disciples were hungry and began to pick some ears of corn and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Well, haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. There becomes this moment of showdown between the religious leaders of Jesus on this day of Sabbath, this day of rest, because of the activity of Jesus' friends, followers, his disciples, who are trying to eat and Jesus gets confronted by them, and in that confrontation, you find that they're basically saying, look, Jesus, what's going on here? These guys are doing something that we're not, we thought isn't going to happen. This isn't, this isn't going to be a day of rest, and they're kind of working on me. He's like, no, no, that's not what's going on. They're just, they're just hungry. And so the religious leaders get to this point and say, look, what are you saying about this then? Is this day not about the rules? We looked at this last week a bit. Or are you saying, Jesus, that this day is actually irrelevant? Because that's, that's what surely this day is about. So we've got these rules to ensure that we keep this day special, that we ensure that this day is a day of rest by ensuring that everyone knows very clearly all these different rules to make sure it's rest, which in itself doesn't feel very restful. Or are you saying then that this is irrelevant? Are you saying that your disciples can do whatever they want on this day? That it's just anything goes? Are you saying it's irrelevant? Jesus, interestingly, isn't drawn into that argument. He tells a couple of stories to kind of illustrate this. And in it, what he's doing in those stories is saying, hey, you're missing the point of what the day is about. And in it, he says it's not about the rules. And it's definitely not irrelevant. Jesus firstly says, which is what we looked at last week, is this is a day that is for your good, for your benefit. Because God created it before the creation of the world to be their pattern that there would be a seven-day week and one of those days would be a day of rest. Because you're not defined by what you do, you're defined by who you are before God. Therefore, there needs to be this pause, this day where you remember the world doesn't tick because of you. There's this God that's there to be drawn into relationship with, this creation to be enjoyed. 
She says, no, no, this day is for your good. It's not about rules, and it's definitely not irrelevant. And then he says this most surprising thing. He says, it isn't just that it's for your good. It's also you need to understand that I, the Son of Man, am Lord of the Sabbath. Man, Jesus had a moment where he could have said, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. I've done away with this day. Man, I'm the King of Rest. But actually, in it, what he does in that proclamation that he's Lord of Sabbath is he does two things. He proclaims, I am the king, the master, the Lord of rest. If you don't want to know what my kingdom is about, it's about rest. But he allocates it to this special day that had always been ordained, the Sabbath. He says, and I'm the king of this day. And that was dynamite. Like we can think of it, yeah, right, okay. Uh, Jesus says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. It sounds like a bit of a cheesy song. But no, this was dynamite for those who are listening because actually that was a massive claim. You see, in that claim that Jesus is the Lord, the master, the king of Sabbath, he is saying, I am God. Because any good Jew knew that God made the Sabbath and the Sabbath ultimately was determined by him. And then anyone saying they're the master, the Lord, the king of the Sabbath is saying, I'm God. No wonder at the end of this story, if you continue through Matthew 12, you find that the religious leaders are just like, we've had enough of this guy. We've got to get rid of him. This was a dynamite claim. But it was also that he was saying, but I'm not just God. I'm also the God of rest. You see, I don't know who you think God is. Maybe you think God is one who's continuously looking at how you're doing and creates this kind of to-do list of how you must live in order that you can be okay with him. That's not who God is. God is the God of rest who says it's not about how hard you work. It's about knowing my love and living and flourishing in my love because I'm the God of rest. But it's also that he is saying, Jesus, at this moment, that he is the king. He's the master. He's the Lord. In other words, he owns Sabbath. And that's what it meant there, that Actually, this day that's defined for our good to celebrate who God is and the whole and creation and enjoying it, he's saying, oh, I own that day. And therefore, I am the source and the shaper of Sabbath. And we can be thinking, man, is this series then about me kind of working out how do I do this rhythm? And it's all down to me to try and figure out a day of rest in a 24-7 culture where everything seems to keep going. How do I step off that conveyor belt and try and work this out? And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not the starting point. The starting point is to remember, I'm the source. I'm the shaper of Sabbath. So what does that look like then? What does it mean for Jesus to be the source and shaper of the Sabbath, of the day of rest, as well as that to then carry on through the whole of our lives? For this purposeful day where Jesus says, hey, I'm going to shape, I'm going to be the source of it. I'd say firstly we see it's about healing. Really? Well, actually, if we were to continue the story, in this Matthew 12 passage, we find out that the next interaction that Matthew reveals of what's going on, so the showdown between the religious leaders and Jesus, where Jesus points out, says, no, this day is for your good, and I'm the Lord of it. The next interaction is this, Matthew 12, 9, 10, and 13. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, 
Is it lawful then to heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. Now this moment, it isn't that Jesus only heals on the Sabbath. That's not what we're to get here. And just read the accounts of the Gospels to see that Jesus healed every day in every way. But there was something that Jesus did on this day to reveal something about the wonder of him being the source and shaper of Sabbath. Is on this day he did heal. He did something that was so good for this individual, but something that brought healing to who he was. And in the same way, Jesus wants to do the same in drawing us weekly to a day of Sabbath. It is in that day he wants to heal us. He wants to take us out from the worlds that we're living in and how jaded we can become and the effects that it can have on us and say, for a moment, stop and pause and allow me to heal you. I remember as a kid, I loved sport. I invested so much time in sport. I would turn up to all of the practices. I liked football, I liked hockey, I was too weedy for rugby, but I loved sport and I would turn up to all the practices. And then I remember it would always get to the end point and having turned up the practices, the teams would be announced. And I'd walk up and I'd go to outside the changing rooms and the list would be there of everyone who's been chosen for the team and I'd scan the list and think, there's a mistake. And I'd scan the list again and again and realize my name wasn't on the list. I remember as I left, just thinking, I feel rubbish. I feel rejected. I feel like hard work hasn't paid off. I feel like I don't fit. I remember I used to leave my school and I kind of reach the gate, and as I reached the gate, I'd start to run. Normally, I'd walk with my friends, but on those days, I wouldn't walk with my friends. I'd run, and as I ran, I'd become overwhelmed with how the reality of what had just happened made me feel. As I'd be hit with that sense of loss, that sense of sadness, sense of rejection. And then I'd get home, and I'd open the door, and at that point, it was now safe. And I begin to cry. And then my mum and my dad, if he was back early from school, my dad was a teacher, wasn't he? He was going to school. That <laughs> would then step in and they'd look at me and just say, What's wrong? And I'd start to tell them and they'd hug me. And in that moment, it didn't change what had happened but I knew that I was being comforted and I knew it was going to be okay. Now, I don't tell you that story to make you feel sorry for me. Do you mean, I've got over it, honestly. Um, <laughs> but I wonder, like, how often our day-to-day -day existence feels a bit like that? And what we're being invited to is one day, where Jesus just says, hey, let's not worry about everything else because I want to bring you home to me in order that in this moment, all that's gone on in the week, the good things, the bad things, the ways you've spent yourself is a moment where I can gather you in.
and I can bring you comfort and strength. That I can cause you to know emotional, mental, and physical healing. It's the source, is the shaper. First thing is healing. Second thing I think we see is actually what happens then and how Mark kind of rounds this story off is what you find with Matthew's account is Matthew's account of the stories that are going on kind of brings this breadth of what's happening but often leaves it open. And that's where it is. Whereas Mark is kind of fast-paced, like this is what happened, bang, get this from it. So what you happen is a much shorter gospel. Mark 3, 4 says this. After he's had this, or as he's having this interaction with the religious leaders saying, you know, should you really heal on the Sabbath? Jesus says this, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. What Jesus is saying is as the source of Sabbath, as the shaper of Sabbath, of this day of rest, isn't just an invitation to nothing, isn't this invitation to some mystical kind of goings-on, but rather is this invitation to have a day set aside that's going to be for your good. It's going to bring life to you. Yes, he's going to come and come alongside you and heal you, but he's also saying, hey, this is a day to enjoy to enjoy things that are going to give you life and be good to you. Jesus is one who did that. Read the accounts of Jesus through the Gospels and you'll see that he was one who did things that brought life to him and did him good. You see it, so if we go to the next slide, you find that Jesus loved to get out into nature, often taking his friends with him. Gardens, mountains, just places that are out of the city. Often having moments, you see it in John's gospel, where he's kind of pivoting, kind of switching from going into the city, going back out into nature. Going into the city, going back out into nature. You then see it in terms of walks. Jesus loved walking places. Now at this point you can say, it's because there weren't any bikes or cars, Adrian. Of course he's going to walk. Yes. (laughs) But often he didn't choose to get in a boat with his friends. He chose to walk. Why? It did him good. It brought life to him. Find he loved having meals. There are so many accounts of Jesus having meals. Why? Because he saw it as good. It brought life. He had moments of solitude, of getting away from everyone. Moments with friends, just hanging out with his friends. How many moments are there where Jesus says, come on, let's get away. Just me and the 12. Let's just go and hang out. Jesus is one who models what it is to do things that bring life and do us good. It's then the question, like, what is it then? It isn't that this is the must-do list. There's going to be different things that Jesus says, hey, what is it that brings life to you and does you good? Like, for me, it's different. So, for me, it's like films, art galleries, walks, are there, meals, yeah, my family, just again. If you weren't around in the summer, this is a unique moment of my family. It isn't that we all have to wear the same color clothes whenever we gather together, but this was a moment where during the summer holidays, my youngest daughter, Rebecca, as part of her birthday celebration, wanted to do something called Dress to Impress, where each member of the family chose an outfit for another member of her family under the theme of yellow. So we went to TK Maxx and ransacked their whole yellow wardrobes and got to dress each other, and this was the output of that. But hanging out with my family, some of you are thinking, what on earth? (laughs) This does me good. This brings life to me. 
Friends, like spending time with my friends does me good. It brings life to me. Like Jesus is saying, like, I want to give you this day, this day which I'm going to cause you to be taken out of all that's going on in your life and where you feel jaded, I want to heal you. I also want it to be a day that does you good and brings life to you. I'm the God of rest. I'm not the God of rules that's just trying to make your life kind of just continuously bound up in more and more conditions. No, I'm a God who's trying to liberate you to live in the goodness of everything I've created. Therefore, discover things that do you good and give a day to it. Man, permission to have a day doing things that provide me life and do me good. Some of us, we like saying, yeah, man, my family, like spend the day with my family, is that going to give me life and do me good? Or maybe ask some bigger questions as well that might not do that. But what is it for you? That's for me. Don't take my list. Don't take just Jesus' list. What are the things that do you good? Not what are the things you just do because you can't think of anything else to do. But how often do we get Netflix and just think, oh, no, I'll just watch a box set. And at the end of it, think, I've just spent eight hours doing what? Like, do things that bring life and do you good. But then you find that in, just before this story, so you've got Jesus' kind of interaction with the leaders saying, what's Sabbath about? You've then got this healing moment. But before this moment, in Matthew 11, you find that Jesus kind of talks about the kind of rest that he's able to offer. And again, if you look at it in that terms of, remember, this is him saying, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the rest giver. I'm the one who comes and is the source and shapes it. You then discover something more about the source and shape he is. Yes, it's for our good and brings life. Yes, it's for our healing. But it's also in order that we would be unburdened. Matthew 11, 28 to 30 says this, Come to me, this is Jesus speaking, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yes, this is to characterize our whole lives. Man, I've spoken from the front saying, man, Jesus, he's the Lord of rest. He wants that rest to permeate every moment of our days. Yes, 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 yes. But he also wants this day it's then to shape all the other days that is shaped by the rest that he can offer. And this Sabbath day is a day where we get to be unburdened. And what's that unburdening like? Well, I think there's two ways that Jesus wants to unburden us on that day. One is in terms of things that we're not meant to be carrying. Here's the deal is that we just find with life, stuff happens. And we can find that we have an effect to that. It might be we start to fear or get, feel guilt or shame or continuously thinking, am I good enough? Or this is all down to me. And yes, we should be living with these things gone in every day. But we can just find that circumstances continuously push us to suddenly pick them back up and pick up these burdens and think, oh man, if people really knew I'd done that. Or... Like, I've just got to keep working harder and harder because I'm never going to get through this to-do list. But I don't know what tomorrow's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and I'm increasingly anxious about it. And what Jesus says, no, no, this is day. 
where I call you to just step out. Step out of all of those things that come and put burdens on you and come to me who can carry everything. Like he's the Lord of rest. He's also the Lord of the universe. One whom we're told holds together everything. Colossians 1 also speaks of one day all things will then be brought to what they're meant to be through him. I think he's able to carry my anxieties. I think he's able to deal with my guilt and shame. I think he's able to deal with the the moments where I think I'm not good enough. I think he's big enough. And this day is a moment where we get to say, I give it over to you. Like for me, it means that on that day of stopping, I stop and think, man, what is it I'm carrying, Jesus, that I shouldn't be carrying? And I have to go through, and, and it's generally for me, it's like an interaction that I've had with someone, I think, oh, man, why did I do that? Or fear, because I still battle with that sometimes, and so it'd be, oh, is things going to be okay? I think, no, no, Jesus, I again, trust you. I unburden myself to you who can carry it all. But it's not only being unburdened by the things that we're not meant to be carrying. It's also being unburdened by responsibilities. Stormzy quotes Shakespeare when he says this, heavy is the head that wears the crown. What's he saying there? He's saying that there's this heaviness in the responsibilities we carry. The crown symbolizes that stuff that that we're kind of responsible for. Like a a king is responsible for his kingdom and therefore there can be a heaviness that comes with that. And we each have kingdoms, things that we have to do. And it's like can become heavy. It's not those things are bad. It's just there can become a heaviness in carrying responsibility for it. It might be in terms of our work, our deadlines, our household, our family, our finances, or just other stuff. And what we've been invited to It's for a day of saying, hey, you don't have to carry the burden of these responsibilities. On this day, you don't have to work. On this day, you don't have to consider your finances or your food shop or something like that. This is a moment where you just say, hey, Jesus, you're the king. I rest and trust you, and I am burdened all of these things to you. And that means for me, like on my day of rest, on my Sabbath, is I take a moment and say, on this day, I choose not to work. Have I completed my to-do lists? No. Are there big things that are going on? Yes. But today I'm choosing God to not work. Why? Because I don't want to become burdened by this. I want to take off this burden of responsibility and say, on this day, I can be I take up the responsibility of my family responsibility. So I I don't look at the budget. I don't um, do a food shop. Which means I have to plan to do those things at other points. In order why? In order that I can say, hey, I'm taking off the crown of these responsibilities. What is it for you? What does it mean to be unburdened? Maybe there's things that today you are feeling burdened by that you shouldn't be carrying. And today is a moment where you say, actually, I just need to give this to Jesus and receive what he has for me. Or maybe it's that 
you've not been thinking through, like, oh, yeah, actually, the responsibilities I have, I always think, man, I need to try and stop, but I don't stop because I keep thinking about these other things. I need to plan how do I do those things in order that I can then get to this point of saying I put the crown of responsibility down. I unburden myself and trust you, Jesus, with all of it. Just talking about like a day a week. The other six days, man, be responsible. But then in it, it isn't just we to be unburdened. Jesus then promises us that as we unburden things to him, he provides us rest. Rest in the deepest place, the very core of our being, our souls. And in it, what that means is that Jesus wants to offer us wholeness. Now, again, you can say, but surely Asian women know that wholeness all the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to characterize us the whole of the week. But I wonder how often we find ourselves not knowing that wholeness because the rest of life is happening. And we're trying to find a way through to it, but we can't. I wonder if we had this day where we get to enjoy the wholeness that Jesus offers, it then starts to permeate the rest of our weeks and the rest of the days of the week. See, what does that wholeness mean? I'd say, and this is increasingly how I seek to live in it, is I have nothing to prove. That's what my Sabbath day is about. Yes, I want every day to be permeated by that statement. But Sabbath is a great day of starting. I'm saying, on this day, I get to remember as I cast all of my burdens, as I receive your healing from all the jading of the week, as I get this moment to do things that bring me life and do me good, that I'm doing it understanding I have nothing to prove. I'm more loved than I could dare to believe. Man, what a day. A day that I get to enjoy the fact that I'm not trying to prove something. I'm not trying to achieve something to validate myself. Rather than this day where I get to enjoy it. Man, I'm more validated than I ever knew. I have nothing to prove. And I wonder how much if we spent a 24-hour period living in the wonder and goodness of that, it would start to permeate, infect the other six days that would cause us in our work, in our care for others, in the different responsibilities we have, in the challenges that we face, to start to think, no, no, I face all of these knowing I have nothing to prove. And that's liberating. See, what Sabbath therefore becomes, as we get to know that Jesus is the source and the one who shapes our Sabbath, is it ultimately becomes this declaration. See, Sabbath is a declaration of what? Sabbath is a declaration that Jesus is our Lord. That's what it becomes, this day, yes, that's permeating all other days, but this day of saying, Jesus, I remember, and I pause from the rest of life and say, actually, you are on the throne of my life. You're the king, you're the master. And therefore, on this day, I remember that fact. I remember, Jesus, that nothing else can be as good as you. Because who are you as the king on the throne of my life? Are you the king whose kingdom is all about rest? And therefore, yes, daily I want to take moments of pausing and centering, allowing the throne of Jesus to be at the center of all I am. But I get this day where I don't have to worry about other things coming in the way. I just get this day where I get to enjoy he truly is. 
And it becomes this radical statement to others. If others are saying, well, what, like, what do you mean you take a Sabbath? Like, that sounds weird. What do you mean you take a day of rest? Are you, like, not working? Are you lazy? No, no. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus and him being the source and shaper of my life. And this day allows me all of these things, and we get to then talk about the wonder of what this day brings, because it becomes his declaration, not about us, but about him, the Lord of the Sabbath. Therefore, a couple of questions, or three questions then, in terms of our practice of this, as Jesus is our master of Sabbath. Firstly, how will the reality of Jesus as the Lord of the Sabbath shape your life more? And for some of us, maybe it's that we're beginning to see that Jesus isn't out to prove how wrong you are, but rather Jesus is wanting to cause you to know how loved you are and is longing for you to find him in order that he can bring you to a place of rest. For others of us, maybe it's that we know Jesus, but somehow we've started to get into the thing of this is I must try and work harder. Whereas actually the invitation is, no, you must come and be with me. Secondly, in what ways do you need to allow Jesus to shape your Sabbath? As we talked about last week, we live in a 24-7 culture. Therefore, at this moment, we'll find that for each of us, there'll be different days that work for us to take a day of rest. It's working out, planning it. When's that going to be? And how are we going to allow Jesus to shape it? And then lastly, And I do single this one out because I think it does need thought. What things will you plan to do on your Sabbath that will do you good and bring you life? Again, if you don't plan it, you'll never do them. You'll start and think, oh, what should I do today? And then you'll wander around for the next couple of hours thinking, maybe you should do that, maybe Netflix. It will not do you good. Plan of what you're going to do that's going to do you good and bring you life. But this isn't where I want to end up. Today, where we're going to end actually now is in the meal of rest. Jesus took these two items of bread and wine, or what we use is juice, and in it became this profound symbol that could be understood throughout all ages of saying, Hey, I'm going to take these items and reveal the wonder of who I am and what I've done for anyone who will receive them. And so whenever we come in this moment, we gather to take communion together, we're coming with this multiple layered approach to the wonder of what communion is. And each time we come with different moments, because it's just too many kind of things that we can come and say, hey, it looks like this, this is what Jesus has done, this is what Jesus has done, this is what Jesus has done. Today we get to gather and take and participate of communion, remembering that he's the king, the master, the Lord of rest. This is a meal of rest. That as we come and we take a piece of bread, we're coming and saying, Jesus, you were broken in order that I could be whole. In order that I could know the rest that there is to be in the deepest place of who I am. That Jesus, I take the cup and drink because your blood was shed in order that I could know now it is finished. I have nothing to prove. I get to rest in who you are rather than who I am.
Therefore, can I invite you, if you want to receive the wonder of this King of Rest, can we go and grab some bread and juice, take it back to our chairs, and then we're going to take of it together. So can I encourage us to do that? Some music could go on the background so it doesn't feel awkward. Uh, but if you can ask us to do that, and then we'll take it together in a moment. Can I encourage us, just where we are, if we can, if we could stand... Just keep case a moment of us being in this moment together. And I'm going to read a very, very familiar scripture to us, just because it reminds us of this isn't some good idea. It isn't something I'm kind of saying, oh, this is what I think. This is something Jesus instigated. Paul writes this. And the night when Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. In a moment, we're going to take the bread. Remember, Jesus' body broken so we can be whole. I just felt like for some of us, Part of that wholeness is we need to unburden ourselves. For some of us, I think as we take this bread, before we take it, and give, give us like a minute of silence after I shut up, just deal with God and just say, do you know what? I'm, I'm just hiding away from you at the moment because I'm carrying some stuff I don't need to carry. And in this moment, I give you my brokenness, Jesus because you are broken in order that I can receive your wholeness. So I'm going to be quiet. Let's take a moment. Just where we are, I just want to close our eyes. I'm just going to pray for us. <coughs> Jesus, we turn to you, the Lord of all and the Lord of Sabbath. And we ask, would you go with each and every one of us? Would you go with us as we leave this building to our homes? And would they become places where your rest dwells? I pray would you go with us as we go to our places of work or recovery or to our friends' houses or to our streets or shops. And I pray as we go, would we bring you the Lord of the Sabbath with us. And I pray we would cause others to taste and see of the rest you're able to offer. I pray, Jesus, would you go with us as we go into weeks where there's going to be things that are hard to handle. And I pray would we know that you're the one that can carry us. 
I pray, Jesus, would you go with us in the moments that feel like they're filled with joy? And would we know you close and delighting with us? And I pray, Jesus, this coming week, would we have moments, would we have a day where we can set it aside to just be with you, to enjoy the wonder of what is good and brings life to us as we know you're healing, as we know you unburdening us, and as we know your wholeness. Ask this for your glory, Jesus. Amen.